We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. And welcome back to another episode of a Pack a Day podcast. Wherever you may be, and however you may be listening, thank you so much for making us part of your day. And guys, we are we're halfway there to the divisional round of the playoffs. It is such a wonderful feeling being back in the playoffs, regardless of how you feel about the team, whether you think there may be not as good as they seem record wise that we're not talking about that today by the way my name is Nick Schmitz I will be your host for the day you guys haven't had to put up with me for about two weeks now uh which you know some of you are probably glad that you haven't had to do that but anyway uh Jacob Westendorf with me today Maggie unable to join us during this divisional round week and Jacob um, just want to start by asking you, I mean, I'm sure the answer is pretty much the same as mine, which is just happy to be back in the playoffs and feeling good, but Green Bay home playoff game for the first time since, uh, well, gee, I, off the top of my head, 2016 against the Giants. Yeah. 2016 against the Giants, you know, wild card weekend. So feels pretty good to be back in the playoffs and in the thick of things, right? LFG. That's how I feel. Uh, it's I'm juiced up. I'm ready. Uh, it's Wednesday. And I, I mean, with all due apologies to my work week, it's really been hard to focus on that kind of stuff this week. I've just 
been thinking of all the scenarios going in my head and trying to remain as positive as possible. And I'm feeling good. I think that green Bay got what is a favorable matchup. Uh, I think that the other two teams that they could have faced match up with them better than Seattle did. Obviously new Orleans for all the talk about how new Orleans deserve the buy and they're the best wild card team ever. And the Packers are the worst 13 and three team ever. Well, uh, new Orleans is sitting at home. And as I said on, uh, Sunday. It really, it really is a shame that Sean Payton has continued to be allowed to waste the prime and career of of Drew Brees. Yeah, well, it it was That's sarcasm, by what, the way. In case you guys didn't catch that, my patented language there. Yes, Jacob speaks fluent sarcasm. If he's not <laughs> my speak, first language, it, I, I got to tell you, in the time I've gotten to know Jacob, if he's not speaking in sarcasm, I'm concerned that something's actually wrong. So. Um, well, Jacob, uh, let's talk about this here real quick. So y- you had a stat. I'll let you throw it out here in just a minute. But um, So the Seattle Seahawks have only won at Lambeau Field one time in their history of being in the NFL, and they weren't even in the same conference as the Packers. You have to go back to 1999, which was Mike Holmgren's first season as the coach of the Seattle Seahawks, as the only time that they've ever won at Lambeau Field. And if, I mean, depending on how old you are, I'm sure at this point most of us are old enough to remember what happened the last time Seattle came to Green Bay for a divisional round game. I didn't start off so great uh, with Ryan Grant fumbling on two of his first three touches. But, yeah, Green Bay won that game pretty easily, 42-20. to Now, granted, this is a much different Seahawks team coming in this weekend. Uh, and Russell Wilson, a much better quarterback. But, uh, Jacob, I mean, this obviously bodes well for Green Bay. Obviously playing at home in the playoffs is much better than playing on the road in the playoffs. But, I mean, you got to feel pretty good thinking that Seattle's only won one time at Lambeau. Yeah, that's what, I mean, you fight on scratch all year for home field advantage for games like these. So I felt good about a home playoff game against anybody. I didn't care who it was. If it was the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Saints, whoever, I don't care. If they had to come into Lambeau, I feel pretty good about that. The fact that Seattle's never won here, Russell Wilson's never played well here, how much is that going to matter on Sunday? Not a lot, but you know, during the week, especially a long week like these, you're looking for almost any reason you can to feel better about it. And this really has been a personal house of horrors for Russell Wilson The last time they played in Green Bay, they only scored nine points. Uh, The time before that, he threw five interceptions. I mean, it's it's been an ugly go for Russ here at this stadium. Now, that being said, I mentioned it yesterday on Pulse of the Pack with Paul Brettel talking about how something that is in Seattle's favor is that they have somebody who is a field tilter. And Ron Wolf used to talk about it with Brett Favre. We talk about it with Aaron Rodgers. They have that dude. And that is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's definitely somebody who tilts the field. And as long as they have him healthy and active, they have a chance to win. So that's why I don't feel supremely confident. It's not like they're playing, you know, who finished with the worst record, the Cincinnati Bengals or some team like that. I mean, Seattle, Seattle beat by only one point earlier this year. Yeah, that's good to know, too. It can't hurt at least to know that. But Seattle, as long as he's healthy and ready, I know that he has the ability. He's a special player, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And frankly, I think for this season specifically, you can probably argue that Seattle has the advantage at the quarterback position, which 
tilts the scales a little bit. How much does that matter? I guess we'll find out on Sunday afternoon. Absolutely. Well, so today, Jacob, you and I, we're going to take a look at this Packers defense, how it matches up against the Seahawks offense. And now one thing that we can just kind of get out of the way, there's not a whole lot of breakdown, I feel, that needs to be done with it. It's kind of like what people would say about the Packers in years past, which is really, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, he's great. You know, he's been, you know, some people have him as their MVP for this season. And Jacob, you had kind of mentioned that uh, one of your things about this game is that if Russell Wilson does not play well, based on their team as a whole, they don't have a chance to win. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well, I mean, obviously, when Aaron doesn't play well, your chances of winning go down sharply. But it, it's that idea that Russell Wilson kind of is that team right now. Whereas if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well, it's kind of happened all year where he hasn't played up to that Aaron Rodgers level that we're used to. But they still win games. They have the ability to kind of, as people have been saying, it's been trendy, win ugly. But you and I kind of have this thought process if Russell Wilson comes in and throws five interceptions like he did the last time uh well two times ago that he came to Green Bay in that run the table season there's literally no chance unless I feel Aaron Rodgers gets hurt at that point yeah and even then I mean Tim Boyle's laser show you think would be able to do something with five interceptions but yeah it's kind of funny how I don't want to bring up too much from the last time these two teams met in the playoffs, but it's kind of funny how the roles have reversed because Russell Wilson, everybody remembers, didn't play particularly well in that championship game either, but they were still able to win. And now Green Bay was one of those teams. What was the biggest criticism the Packers have had over the last 10 years um, is that they couldn't win if Aaron Rodgers didn't play well. They were they were the Green Bay Aaron Rodgerses. What's well, not true anymore. There have been games that Aaron Rodgers has played poorly. Now, he hasn't turned the ball over multiple times, I don't think, in any any game this season. But even still, you can play poorly without turning the ball over, as we've seen. And the Packers are able to win that way. And five years ago, they weren't. And it's it's just fascinating to me to see how. And now, the Seahawks do win ugly, but it typically isn't when Russell Wilson plays bad. The last time I can remember him playing really bad was against the Arizona Cardinals. And he was under duress the entire game and did not play very well. And the Cardinals won with Kyler Murray exiting with an injury. And Brett Hundley was able to do just enough to get them a win. So I think that's fascinating. And I think that, you know, that's Seattle's – there aren't a lot of paths for Seattle to win this game, I don't think. I think the biggest one is Russell Wilson going bonkers, playing in a vintage MVP form, making the Packers' defense look like some of Dom Capers' units from previous years – and I think that really is the way uh, that Seattle is going to be able to win this game because, honestly, they don't match up well in a lot of different places. I know we're not talking Packers offense against uh, Seattle's defense, but Seattle allows a boatload of yards. I don't have the exact numbers. I'll find them here real quick uh, once once Nick starts talking again. But it's 160-some-odd yards a game rushing they give up a game. That's insane. And they're really poor at covering running backs out of the backfield. Well, who is Green Bay's best offensive player? It's Aaron Jones. Yeah, they gave up over 160 rushing yards per game in their last five games. That's a trend. They give up running backs in the passing game, get nine yards per reception, 51 yards a game. Get the ball to Aaron Jones. Now, I know that's not what we're talking about, but on that side of the ball, Green Bay's best player matches up well with Seattle's defense. That's a good trend. On the defensive side of the ball, and we can talk about this now, Green Bay has an advantage 
up front on the line of scrimmage that they have not had against. They've had those advantages, but it's not as drastic as it is right now. This is the best Green Bay defensive front that they've had since 2010, maybe 2014. If you Even the year that Green Bay had, that year, that was the year Green Bay had Clay and Julius Peppers. And with all due respect to those guys, Julius Peppers is a Hall of Famer. Clay Matthews is a Packers Hall of Famer. Maybe a pro football Hall of Famer, probably not, but maybe. Zadarius and Preston Smith are both playing at very, very high levels. Zadarius Smith, an all-pro level. Preston Smith, a Pro Bowl level. And then you have Kenny Clark, who is a monster. So that's Seattle's path, is Russell Wilson doing what Aaron Rodgers had to do for so many years in Green Bay against teams like Seattle, dragging them to a victory because he is able to tilt the field in their favor that much. That's the only path to victory I see for Seattle. Right. Well, and, you know, we kind of touched on Russell Wilson there. You said that's we, – we, and, you know, Jacob, you and I talked about pre-show. Really, it feels like with this with this game that, again, we kind of – we know Russell Wilson's great. He's going to get – he's going to do some things that are going to make drive you crazy on Sunday. So don't expect Green Bay to come in and shut out Seattle. Russell Wilson's too good for that. But we really – it, it kind of came down to – don't let Russell Wilson make too many plays with his feet and double cover DK Metcalf. And that seems to be it. I mean, you know, I had mentioned to you kind of, you know, the most interesting. And when I say interesting, I mean, it, it kind of the biggest unknown I feel coming into the game is what role does Marshawn Lynch play in this game? And you and I kind of agreed. It's probably closer to next to nothing than it is something that you actually have to worry about. But I mean, when you look at it, they've got they've got three three key injuries at running back. They had to bring Marshawn Lynch in at the end of the season just so that they could have a healthy running back that they trusted to do anything. And outside of DK Metcalf, who's been a stud, and you've got to pay close attention to him. I mean, what else is there to defend beyond Russell Wilson and his running? Well, I mean, they do have a couple other players. Tyler Lockett is a very good player, but you feel good about that matchup with Jair Alexander. It's one of those, he's quick hipped. Alexander matches up well with receivers like that. The good news with DK Metcalf is the routes he excels at are the routes that typically Kevin King excels at covering. I think he'll be able to use his size and length. He'll have to play the ball better in the air than he has been. But I think that you'll see Mike Patton. Mike Patton has been dictating things up front and on the back end trying to prevent big plays. And the Packers have done a pretty good job recently, especially over the last month, of preventing the big plays. So what they'll need is Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, whoever they have back there, kind of shading over the top. Because if Seattle is going to make a big play, DK Metcalf is that guy. And Seattle, I give them a lot of credit with the way they've used him because everybody at the Combine was freaking out over his three-cone and these agility drills and blah, blah, blah. And Seattle basically says, okay, we're going to take and do what you're good at, and we're going to ask you to do what you're good at. And they do that really well. And DK Metcalf had a big week last week against Philadelphia. That being said, Philadelphia's secondary resembles that of garbage repairmen, uh, high school gym teachers. There's just not a lot of players back there at this point. Philadelphia really was a mash unit by the end of the year. The fact that they had a chance to win that game, I think, speaks a lot to Doug Peterson. But to to go off what you said, you mentioned Marshawn Lynch. Uh, I just – I don't fear Seattle's running game. Uh, Marshawn Lynch has some juice left. There was, there's a couple moments where you see him. He had a touchdown on Sunday where he broke a couple of tackles uh, and was able to reach into the end zone. But I just, I don't think that's something that he can do consistently. Uh, And with Travis Homer, 
I I mean, he's an okay player, but he's an undrafted free agent that they're just kind of tossing out there because there's nobody left. With no Chris Carson and no Rashad Penny, this running game really isn't much to write home about. And then you add in the fact that Seattle could potentially be missing anywhere from one to three starting offensive linemen. That's insane. And that's a big advantage for the Packers who, again, like I mentioned, have a pretty good front. It's not a great front yet, but it's a very good one, especially with their stars that are playing a lot more. So I think you're right. I think that Russell Wilson's legs are an X factor here. Uh, You know the Packers are going to be tested with some sort of zone read. The good news is something that we've pointed out a couple times, Nick, between you and I is with all due respect to Clay Matthews, he was somebody that would kind of guess and fly up the field one way or the other. Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith have both been very disciplined in their run fits, bootlegs, zone reads, all that kind of stuff. Uh, The Packers have done a pretty good job at defending those, so I don't think you'll see Russell Wilson with a Colin Kaepernick-esque performance if you want to shade all the way back to 2012. Right. Well, and you know, the one thing that I think that, and again, Jacob, I, I don't, these next two things, I'm not really sure how much, like, because I'm having a hard time formulating it because I don't know exactly how to ask it in a way that makes it sound somewhat intelligent when you talk about these things, because these next two things makes, they are things in the sense that they've happened, but how much of a role do they play? Seattle's only lost one game on the road all year. They're a great road team, and for being a West Coast team, typically West Coast teams, when they travel to the Midwest or the East Coast and have to play noon games, you can almost always chalk that up as an L. Uh, just because of uh, the body chemistry and the times that they are used to when, you know, with the time shifts and whatnot. And Seattle's been good with that. So they've been seven and one on the road. But and then, so what does that play into the fact that they have a better road record this year than they do a home record? What does that play into Sunday? And as well, kind of discuss if it plays any factor the fact that they went on the road. Last weekend flew all the way to Philadelphia, then after the game flew all the way back to Seattle and now have to fly all the way back to Green Bay this Sunday. Travel and them being a good road team, it would seem like something that would, you know, the travel part would work in favor for Green Bay, but the fact that they're 7-1 and one on the road this year seems like it may not matter. Yeah, I think you mentioned it. I know they won in Philly twice this year, uh, if you include last week's, obviously. But having to fly as much as that, you imagine that, play some sort of factor you know Jim Harbaugh when he was the coach of the 49ers he actually had it there was a science to where when he his team was going to play out east he would bring them out a day earlier and kind of let them get used to those kinds of things that's something Seattle may do Uh, going from the west coast to Lambeau not quite the same but I mean at least the time difference that's what two hours I'm no time zone expert but I think that's a two hour difference two hour difference there you go so I think it plays a factor that Seattle could be a little laggy to start the game, which bodes well. Green Bay's rested, so they have the advantages from that standpoint. But whether or not they take advantage of them is a different story. I mean, they had the advantage of being rested, uh, coming off a bye against San Francisco, and San Francisco had just played a Monday night game against Seattle, and Green Bay got the doors blown off of them that night. They had the advantage of having been home for about a month before they played the Eagles on a Thursday night game, and they ended up losing that game as well. So, That's a minor advantage that Green Bay has to take advantage of early in the game. As for Seattle's road record, uh, what I would say is they did win in San Francisco, um, but I don't know that they played 
and won a game on the road in an environment like what you're going to see Sunday at Lambeau Field. Because I know the popular thing on Twitter now is to make jokes about the old people that are there telling you to sit down and all that stuff and the crowd's not into it and blah, blah, blah. And guys, I can tell you, I've been to Lambeau three times this year. I was at the Raiders game, I was at the Panthers game, and I was at the Bears game. Uh, And I'll be there Sunday as well. The crowd was awesome, all three of those games. So I think that that's a narrative that can be put to rest. Are there small pockets of that? Probably. But I think for the most part, the crowd is loud. uh, And I think they're hungry. And I think they'll be ready to have the Packers juiced up and ready to go. Uh, So, yeah, Seattle 7-1 on the road, that matters. That's probably because they want to play behind their defense. They want to play behind their running game and kind of muddy some games up a little bit. And that travels typically pretty well on the road. But – I, I don't know. I just don't think that's going to matter all that much. Like I said, maybe I'm too confident, but I think Green Bay is the better team, and I think this is a great matchup for them. I would agree. And, you know, Jacob, I quickly, I, I want to kind of get this <clears> – excuse me. I want to get this thought from you here quickly as you kind of brought it up matchup-wise. Uh, I was watching the Saints and Vikings on Sunday – and the Packer fan within me was rooting for the Saints because I always like to watch the Vikings lose. It's just one of my favorite pastimes. But I was also looking at it from the like Packers standpoint. I figured Green Bay playing either Seattle or uh, Philadelphia would be a much better matchup than having Drew Brees and the Saints come to Lambeau. So just want to kind of touch briefly kind of what your thoughts were. Who were you rooting for in the Saints-Vikings game? And then just kind of give me quick, real real quick thoughts on the 49ers-Vikings game this Saturday. Yeah, I was rooting for entertainment. Uh, I'm a very firm believer in be careful what you wish for. Uh, because I remember in 2000, the last time I wished Green Bay could play somebody was in 2007. Brett Favre's last year, they had beaten Seattle, and I was rooting hard for the New York Giants the next day against the Dallas Cowboys because I wanted that game at Lambeau and I thought the Giants sucked. Well, as soon as they won, I was celebrating like Green Bay was going to the Super Bowl and we all know what happened a week later. So I didn't have a preference. I think Green Bay had to beat a lot of teams. They're going to have to beat two good teams to get to the Super Bowl anyways. Um, as far as thoughts on the Niners and the Vikings, I think a lot of people have this game slated as a blowout and I don't agree. Um, I think that the Vikings have a good defense. I think that defense rattled Drew Brees, and with all due respect to Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan, Drew Brees is a better quarterback than Jimmy G is right now, and they slowed him down. Uh, I think they'll be able to slow down the 49ers offense enough. Ultimately, I think what will happen is that Niners defense is awesome. They're really good at home. I think they'll rattle Kirk Cousins enough. And for all the talk about Kirk Cousins finally, quote-unquote, winning his first playoff game, and I'll give him credit, he did throw a dot to Adam Thielen, on that last – I mean, he threw the game-winning touchdown pass to Kyle Rudolph. That was cool. That was awesome for him. Great job, Kirk. But the Vikings coaching staff told you everything that you need to know about how they feel about that quarterback. When it's second and 17, a first down wins the game, and they ran a draw play and I believe another running play right after that. They were playing like Duck Hodges was their quarterback is the reference I keep using. So I think the Vikings can keep it close because of their defense, because Dalvin Cook is great. But ultimately, I do think the 49ers prevail. All right, well, there you have it. So this Sunday, 540 Central Time, kickoff for Packers-Seahawks. It's supposed to be cold. It's supposed to snow. Now, whether or not that will actually happen, I don't know. I can guarantee you, though, being January in Wisconsin, it will be cold. 
and the later on in the evening the game goes, it will be very cold. So um, enjoy the game. It's been, what, two years since they've been in the playoffs. And I know, and that sounds like a really spoiled thing to say when you have certain teams out there that haven't been in such a long time. But like I said, I personally, I said this a couple weeks ago, I personally just have a newfound appreciation for being in the playoffs because, man, it feels like an eternity since the Packers have been in the playoffs for me. And the fact that they're back... Um, you know, this is a great matchup. It's going to be fun. It's at Lambeau. Man, playoff games are always so much more fun at Lambeau than they are going on the road. And that's just obviously a biased thing to say. But it's, 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 a, it's a great atmosphere, though. And, and anybody out there with a brain will tell you that games at Lambeau are just fun and cool to watch. So enjoy the game this weekend. And, Jacob, real quickly, before we wrap up, people want to follow your work, get in touch with you. How do they do that? Yeah, my Twitter is at Jacob Westendorf. Uh, you can follow my work over at Packer Report 66 is the Twitter handle. Free Zach Jacobson. Free Zach Jacobson. Uh, is there, can you Zach's, explain that? Uh, yeah, Zach's Twitter has been suspended like 17 times because there are mouth breathers that think it's funny to report him for offensive content that is not offensive. Ah, so, all right. All right. Uh, yes, Zach is uh, currently, I believe, behind the use of a burner account. So he's just like Kevin Durant. Uh, there you there. <laughs> see oh yes and jacob I, I will give you the satisfaction real quickly because you like to do this i will accept any patriots hate tom brady hate not because i'm not a patriots fan i just like tom brady so i will give you a minute here if you'd like to throw any tom brady hate my way if you would like the dynasty is over the fraudulent goat was exposed for exactly what he was the patriots used to win games all the time when Brady played like that, and they didn't on Sunday night. Saturday night, excuse me. It's over. It's done. I can't wait for Brady to leave New England this next year and be exposed for the fraud that he is. I don't think he's a fraud, but I will give you – I will agree. I do. He's a fraud if you call him the greatest quarterback of all time. He's an all-time great. He's not the best ever. <sighs> that is a long discussion for a very different podcast. That's fine. Peyton Manning's better. <laughs> uh, well, I will... So is Bart Starr. I will agree. So Joe Montana. I keep going. <laughs> I, I know that you will. So before before you go any further, we'll just cut it there. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. And, again, make sure enjoy the game, 540 Central Time, 340 Pacific, 640 Eastern, wherever you are. Make sure you tune into the game. It's on Fox. Enjoy the hell out of it. And I, I I'm not going to say anything. Because I, I don't honestly know. I, I, I feel good about it. But I, this is just me saying I hope that this time next week when we are doing this again, Jacob, we are going to be talking about an NFC championship matchup with whomever it might be. At this point, yeah. at this point I, I, I don't like either matchup of possibilities, so I won't even say who I'd rather play. I just would like to be there. I just want to be part of it. So, yep, I'm right there with you. With that, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And as always, Go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.